Pints and Vibes Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Vibes Podcast. Tights and Vibes. Money, 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 money. Everybody's got a price. Da, 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 da. Everybody's gonna pay. That's right. Tax day is on Monday. Oh. Welcome to Tights and Fights, <laughs> the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Wrestling is a Love Story, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the Van Dananator, Danielle Radford. Oh, I just, uh, yeah, I need a Wyndham. Can someone send me a Wyndham <laughs> to help me with my taxes? I have a great Wyndham. I need I'll a Wyndham. <laughs> send me a Wyndham. I'm I got screwed. you. I got you. I haven't even started yet. Got I have you. like an emergency appointment on Sunday. There's a nice man called Rick in the valley and he's going to sort you right out. Don't worry about it, babes. Don't worry about it. Help me. <laughs> and that other voice you heard was the Kelkadactyl, Lindsay Kelk. <laughs> this might be Kelk my favorite name. Kelk is on a roll. I will do the dance, but I, I just don't want to um, leave the listeners at home out, or I would have done the dance uh, for everyone. I'm going to do it anyway. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'll do the. Uh, I'll there do this. <laughs> I just did a split. It's gonna be the thing that Julian clips, even though like my fucking dirty cat tree and all of my Amazon boxes are in the fucking screen. <laughs> I, I always forget that he's taking pictures. And then we were recording last night. By the way, uh Max Fun Drive has just announced April 25th yes, to May 6th. And our episodes will drop on the 29th and the 6th, which is one day earlier than usual. And we dropped, we actually recorded one of the episodes last night. And I was recording, as I will, as I want to do, mm. in my closet, which is also a studio space that I've soundproofed. But behind me, it is just a closet. And I do not blur my background, because in my head, this is an audio medium. <laughs> and then I realize pictures are being taken of me without my consent <laughs> and being posted online. And Julian, get ready to go to court. I'm going to take you for every pound you bench. I'm taking them all. I'm taking all of them. Uh, a mine. pound of flesh means something different when you got them guns. Right. When you mm-hmm. are yoked. I do feel like we do need to have a disclaimer now on the state of our recording situations. But shut up, Julian. Don't you dare post that. Oh. <laughs> like everyone can just imagine. I'm like, don't look at my room. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. We're very excited for Max Fun Drive. There's a whole bunch of fun stuff on the way. It is your opportunity to support the art that you love and enjoy on a weekly mm. basis. But more information on that is coming up. We just wanted you to save the date because it's coming up soon. We're, we're like a week and a half away at this point. So get excited. I'm excited. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course you are. I'm always excited. <laughs> I think, Who wouldn't be I excited? don't know if we can keep this in, but I believe I was sent very fun glasses. Oh my God, same. And as an official mm-hmm. glasses podcast, that's big news for us. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're always at least three of us wearing glasses. Three-fourths glasses, sometimes a, a full, uh, full full round robin. That's right, a glasses minion. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start this week by going, you know, we, we're, we're rightly critical, I think. You know, we're honest yeah. about the things we like and don't like, but we want to keep the positivity up because tax day is Monday. There's enough stress <laughs> in the world. Let's talk about things that we love. I will lead us off. The Usos are looking to unify the tag titles, and here's why that makes me happy. Because as we all know, I am not a fan of brand split, and I think at this point in time, 
WWE would benefit from combining their roster. Mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of fabricated competition, and yet we all as fans go, oh, Raw was better this week than SmackDown. But I think there's enough talent there that you can build storylines that don't revolve around belts. You don't need two world titles, which which we ostensibly no longer have with Roman Reigns unifying them. You don't need two sets of, of men's tag titles. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a U.S. and an Intercontinental title. Or you can keep that. You can have four titles in the men's division. May I raise my hand with one proviso? Is that we need a second fucking women's belt so fucking fast. Sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Yes, <sighs> I, I, I agree. But I, I think you're you're cutting your number of storylines in mm-hmm. half. And then, and then you don't really obey your own rules anyway. Especially the, the Survivor Series is sort of Raw versus SmackDown. But also... I think there's more to be gained by combining the roster, and I think that they're not that they aren't talent dense, but I think that they have room mm. to combine it and create tons of storylines for everybody, and everybody will still get airtime. And as Julian rightly pointed out to me in the comments, there is actual competition now. There is another yeah. wrestling right. company, so they don't need to manufacture. AEW is not a competitor to NXT. <laughs> oh God, AEW is a competitor to WWE. <laughs> Imagine if that was Survivor Series. <laughs> Hey, AEW, come on over for Survivor Series and let's see if we can actually kill each other. That would be lovely. I would slide off my chair. I'd like not even get a lie. But like, all even the for all of the criticism. Hugging of, at the end yeah. of the matches because they're all such good friends. I'd <laughs> be so happy to hang out again. I'm not going to lie. Like, look, I enjoy there being two women's titles, like all of these things. And I have gone on record as saying I like the brand split. But if there was an idea to combine them, the idea of a women's intercontinental title. Right. Oh, that's sexy. Oh, and that's I sexy. I would argue that that actually has more value and would help the women's division more than mm. having two world championships for the women, having a Raw and a SmackDown. Mm. I actually think it would build the division out with depth to have um, a, a not a second title, but you know what I mean? Like a, a, a not not main title not main title i write books Mm. uh but i think it would really really help the women to have either a us or a tv or an intercontinental whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. i think that would be great for building women because all we do right now is either either you're the main champ or we're feeding you to the champ or maybe we put a tag belt on you to make you be quiet because we know vince doesn't care about the tag belts and the one he cares about the least is the women's tag right and then there's like the money in the bank but just like having that i like the titles that tell us we are investing in this person you should be investing in them they are doing great work there are so much amazing work that's been done with the intercontinental title i mean like, if you look at the history, that China run was so important. It was part of the reason why I started watching wrestling. Imagine EO and Dakota coming up to wrestle for an intercontinental women's mm-hmm. title. Like, yes, please. Yes, please. I'll take I it. I love that title. Yeah. And I love when it means something. All right. So one thing, because I'm not going to put this over either. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> she wore um, what can only be described as a supervillain outfit. When she was out uh, gallivanting, as a Kardashian does, and the uh, wrestling world could not help but notice. And it's not even like a, a it's not a stretch. It's not tangential. Uh, whatever. Words are hard. It's early morning. Um, Kim Kardashian straight up was dressed like the Kim Kardashian version of Harlem Heat. And it was 
fucking amazing. Obviously, uh, Black Twitter had their say and it was awesome. And one of the great things was uh, at one point, Booker T is like, why am I trending? Which is always great. She literally, if you go look it up, she straight up dressed like a Batman villain. But yeah, same flames, like exact same design, exact same everything as Harlem Heat. Um, and we all got our funnies off. And that made me really I'd happy. love to think that she knew. But I don't think she knew. And I, I don't, don't know think, which But someone is knew. Someone knew. Someone knew. And I don't care who it was. Mm-mm. You know, in the in the first episode of the new show, The Kardashians, when she goes out to lunch with Chloe and Courtney, she's wearing this outfit, and she admits that Kanye was styling her for mm-hmm. I don't know, oh yeah, eighteen to twenty years, had been sending her style tips and what to wear, and then was actively dressing. He used her. to buy her like when he was trying to seduce her, he was like yeah. buying her rooms full so, of clothes, and none of them fit, and they were all gray and looked like she was in the apocalypse. It was very odd. So she shows up to lunch wearing all black, this all black ensemble, and she says at lunch table, she's talking about that and going, look at me, I dress myself and I look him in the fucking Matrix. So I think there's a chance that she is aware. Hmm. She was willing to acknowledge that she dressed herself and it didn't go well. So <laughs> it's possible. Uh, that, I want to say that that's what I enjoyed in wrestling this week. But that's just what Hal enjoyed on Hulu this week. I enjoyed a lot of wrestling I, this I week. I didn't say I enjoyed that's it. That's true. That's true. I do want to give an honorable mention to the NXT, the gauntlet match, the tag team gauntlet match, because we don't talk about NXT a bunch right now because it's shit. Mm-hmm. But I thought they did a really good job of that gauntlet match. I thought they made the Creed brothers look like champions. Um, yeah. And I have not cared about the Creed brothers, just even despite the Bivens of it all. Like, they could not make me care about those kids. <laughs> but it was classic gauntlet booking. They had them come in. They had them do the hero thing where they like survived and endured and then pretty deadly came in at the end those two sweet baby tyler breeze motherfuckers uh they just came in at the end and kicked their ass and took those belts And I thought it was really smart because you immediately established Pretty Deadly as top heel assholes. Uh, But they didn't just come in and swipe it. Like, they did wrestle a great match. But you've also established the Creed Brothers as, like, this super empathetic tag team now um, Mm -hmm. who the crowd are, like, going to be super behind because they saw them do this great match. So I thought that was really good. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention, because I refused to put it over, but it must be discussed, my friends, because it really brought out the best in the internet. Um, someone needs to take Tony's phone off him. Someone needs to take Tony's phone away, because Tony lost his mind on the internet, and all of wrestling came together and said, Tony, no. Uh, Tony thinks that anyone criticizing AEW is... is being paid to do so by someone who would be able to invest in something so wildly expensive. And those tweets are then being retweeted by an army of bots. So shout out to Tony for like needing a minute. He just Mm. needs to sit down. It's a long weekend this weekend, Tony. Try and take a couple of days to yourself. And then shout out to Becky Lynch, who who was first on it, first on it to respond with uh, taking the formula of the tweet and applying it to herself because she's a genius. But I love when something brings wrestling together, and it's a nice moment for me. The thing 
about cocaine is <laughs> that it makes you very paranoid. Unrelatedly. But it also yeah. lifts the filter that makes you stop saying the paranoid things that go through your mind. So then you go to Twitter you and you go, I things. figured it out. I figured it out. <laughs> Let me show you. I'll send a picture of the whiteboard afterwards. It's Charlie with the red string. And it was just... I also loved it because there was there was no loser because... Vince McMahon is sat in his office, someone's showing him, and he's like, what's a bot? He doesn't care. Vince doesn't care about this. Tony feels like he's a winner for having posted it. Becky gets a moment out of it, and everyone else just laughs. So I, I just, you know, what a beautiful moment for wrestling. Vince doesn't know what a barista is. Also, I have to, uh, just so I say this, this is one little bit of inside knowledge I know. I know that we all say like, oh, Vince doesn't know what a burrito is. I spoke to someone who was in that room and I asked them about this. It wasn't that he didn't know what a burrito is. He didn't know what a barista is, which is just oh. as bad. He, when was the last time Vince went into a Starbucks to order his own coffee? Yeah. Never. Mm -hmm. yeah. So His coffee comes from the office. Yeah, it's need to know. A barista is need to know knowledge and Tony does not need to know. Otherwise, we would have a barista character on Raw by now. That was what they were trying. And that's why Vince was like, I don't know what yeah. a barista is. Jimmy Jitters. They would have made Cesaro a barista. <laughs> he would have come out in an apron. It would have been great. Barista. Oh, <laughs> I would have liked to have seen him as a Dunkin' Donuts employee. I don't know why, but him in that specific outfit. It's America's favorite. Great colors for him. America runs on Dunkin'. No, because someone would have sent Vince the Dunkachino thing, and then suddenly that is what Cesaro is doing, is uh, Dunkachino. That's, that's the finisher. Get, yeah, Dunkachino would be a great finisher. I'm really seeing it now. It's coming together. I, I, I put it out there as a joke, but now it's really coming together for me. Donut holes. I mean, there's so much you could do with it. There's so much we could do. I like Sonya's return, just to throw out more stuff. Mm, Sonya's return it. as an active competitor, as Bianca Belair's next opponent. I think it's fun. It's a fun kind of out of left field thing. Sonya Deville just, just blindsided Bianca Belair. Oh! Attacked her from behind! Leveled the Raw Women's Champion. Listen, listen. This is going to be good. Your next opponent is me. I knew it. Oh, oh, She's such a good performer. She's so oh, great. She's really yeah. like, I would never have predicted when she debuted during like a mess of here are a bunch of women's factions. Mm. Here are two that are frighteningly similar to one another mm. down to like what the composition is. In terms of characters, character A, B, and C. Which is the thing they do with women. It's just, you know. Yeah. Sonya Deville went through a lot of stuff. The Mandy Rose stuff with Otis. Mm -hmm. Like all, all of that. Which wasn't the best. Wasn't the worst. Just wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. But you, I don't think I ever got a sense personally like, oh, she's going to wind up being a really good talker. And that's going to make me care yeah. about the next mm -hmm. time she chooses to wrestle or is able to wrestle or whatever comes next. Mm. And it's just, it's great. I love being surprised like that. Yeah, I feel like she came out very anxious. She came out not feeling super confident when you would see her come out to the ring and they pushed that mm -hmm. MMA gimmick in the beginning. And yeah. to do that, you've got to be a monster. And she never was. They never booked her that way. Yeah. yeah, and she just seemed very unsure of herself. She never seemed to have a lot of confidence in herself. And I love mm. that we have now evolved to this point where I will watch her do anything and I believe every word that comes out of her mouth. There's nothing but conviction in that woman. She's the yeah. only person I like doing those stupid little punches. <laughs> Truly. She's the only one. I also feel like if she got you in the throat, it would hurt. So, yeah. Sure. 
Bruce Lee proved that speed is more important than a big roundhouse swing. You can watch, you can see the video of him when he would go to exhibitions and embarrass. Yeah. Other yeah. karate instructors like, all right, something here Something butterfly, something, something bee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here I am from three feet. Now six feet. Now 10 feet. You can't stop me any of the times. She's so basically fast. a cat uh, that's wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like wherever it is in the room, if it chooses to, it's going to fuck you up. And you'd look in its eyes and there is no question. It knows. Uh, so I appreciate that. She's now the official cat of wrestling. Just a super gay ass cat. Yep. <laughs> super <Yeah>. gay. <laughs> Fantastic on the mic cat. <laughs> do do we want to wrap this segment up talking about the history of wrestling and basketball, both wrestlers who were basketball players and basketball players who went into the wrestling ring, including Carl Malone, Shaq, Dennis Rodman. Oh. Uh, Undertaker was a basketball player in his day. Hmm. Um, as was somebody else. Oh, Big Show was a basketball player so as well. So anyone tall is what you tell yeah. me. If you're over like six anyone foot tall. two, they made you. Look, I'm like a woman. As a woman, I'm like five foot nine. And when I was in middle school, they were like, play basketball. And I was like, no, I'm not athletic. And they were like, just catch the ball and give it to someone who can. I'm like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> so AEW closed their show with former basketball player Satnam Singh making his debut. Sure. I have no idea who that is. Well, <laughs> You're not I have alone. no idea either. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a huge basketball <laughs> fan. I've never heard of that person before. That doesn't mean I know everything about basketball. Doesn't mean... That he wasn't a good basketball player. I don't know. I think he was banned from playing basketball. Oh. Is that correct? Yes, he was not a he was he not was a good basketball of- player. I don't think he played in the NBA. He did bounce around the G League and uh, the NBA, sure. the National Basketball League of Canada, but never never played. I mean, I guarantee, like Brian Scalabrini, that that he could probably walk into a gym and sure. wipe the floor with anybody he plays. Not sure. as but not as bad as White Mamba. White <laughs> Mamba will absolutely torch you, but. Uh, but what you're telling me he made is debut, he wasn't good enough it, to do what they did. <laughs> what you're it, telling look, me. it feels like at best the AEW faithful are confused. Is that fair to say? I would say the response I saw on the internet was... What did you say? What? Duh. Uh, I think is where we got to. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was the two Homer gifts. I think we got a but and then a duh. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, they don't want to criticize too openly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Lord of Macedoni, TK, will get it right eventually, obviously. Sure. Yeah, people were confused by this. Not least of all me. I'm like, what? If, if you're going to do the lights out at AEW and then it's not CM Punk, you are mm. taking the piss. You can't just keep being like, lights out, it's CM Punk, lights out, it's Daniel Bryan, lights out, it's Alistair Black, lights out, it's Rusev, lights out, it's Andrade, lights out, it's Ruby. Um, and then it's like, lights out, it's this guy, um, mm-hmm. which is is a real, real test. I heard that the people who are confused are just bots. Well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, mm. all of the anti-AEW sentiment online is paid for by someone who would have the money to invest mm. in something so wildly expensive. I just heard something about that five you minutes ago. You should do your own research, internet researchers. You you thrive on this stuff. Of the many things I control in life, my research is one of them. There you go. <laughs> is your narrative the other one? Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. The other is my bank account. If you've got anything to talk about from the week in wrestling, let us know about it on Facebook and at Tights Fights on Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, we're going to talk about some debuts that we actually liked. That's up next on Tights and Fights. 
Guys, I think we can all agree that we're three podcasters constantly on the go, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. Never not on the go. And when we're moving across multiple jobs, the last thing we want to do is spend hours in the kitchen or waste time going to a fast food place with little to no healthy options. That's right. And when we're hungry, we need something delicious and nutritious. It's always great to have Soylent. Soylent is a complete balanced nutrition that comes from sustainably sourced ingredients, all delivered in a bottle or a bar straight to your doorstep. No drive through required. Wait, that actually does seem like a big deal while gas prices continue to suck. Yeah. Plus, there's no fussing with dishes or worrying about the quality of your cooking. You just tell Soylent what you want and let them come to you. Lindsay, you're a big fan of the peanut butter squares, right? I am. I had the peanut butter squares... When I was traveling a bunch at the end of last year, I had to get on a plane, having not done that in a really long time, and go to another country. And I was uphill and down dale, Danielle, uh, up and down the country. I know I was on book tour, so I was traveling a bunch, just did not get time to stop, uh, could not face one more train station sandwich. Um, <laughs> and I took those peanut butter squares and seriously lived on them. They were really, they're really, really tasty and they always filled the spot. So I love those squares and I always have them in now. Such a good snack. And the only thing better than nutritious and tasty meals you can drink or bars that can help you out when you're traveling or going anywhere is getting them at a discount. So go to Soylent.com slash tights and use the promo code tights to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash tights and promo code T-I-G-H-T-S for 20% off your first order. Max Fun Drive is just around the corner. 2022. Starting April 25th, it's the best time of the year to support your favorite shows by becoming a MaxFun member or upgrading your membership. In just two weeks. We've got some great episodes and amazing thank you gifts in store. And who knows, maybe a few surprises. Don't forget bonus content. So make sure to tune in starting Monday, April 25th to get all the juicy details on what each show has in store. Actually, wait, what are the details anyway? Why are they juicy? That's kind of a strange adjective to describe details. Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. Welcome back to Tides and Bites. I'm Hal Loveland, and I'm joined today by Danielle Radford and Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're going to give one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Let's get ready to Anal bleeding. Whoa! Holy shit! WWE I love Kate! On a hard part victory. Live, pal. What? It's actually funnier if you close your eyes. Like, not if you're driving. Don't don't do it if you're driving, guys. But I really Pull recommend over. it. It's close really beautiful. It paints a real it paints a real picture in the in the and mind. If you close <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Debuts are premium content in wrestling. It's a chance for wrestlers to introduce themselves to a brand new audience for the first time. We're going to talk about some of our favorites from over the years, whether they were switching companies, called up to the WWE main roster, or were introduced to us for the first time. Mm. Go around some of your favorite debuts from over the years, Danielle. Yeah, when Jericho finally came over to WWE, that was so incredibly well done. And now that the Y2J problem is here, this company, from the front office idiots to all the amateurs in the dressing room, including this one, to everybody watching tonight, will never 
ever be the same again. So many of these companies, and I get it, like, you know, we make fun of like Veer is coming and it's like, when? Um, <laughs> but this was one of those ones where they built someone up and it really, really paid off. And we've seen failed ones with like Glacier and whatever. But this one for WWE was really like when it happened and people, you know, just like today, it, it was different because, you know, the Internet wasn't the same. But people hadn't knew that it was going to be Jericho. But it didn't matter because when it happened you were hyped and they had built that hype with like the countdown and the music and everything. So yeah, I think that might be one of my favorite debuts. Lindsay? I was thinking about this and pop, my heart always wants to go to the surprise and the shock and they're like, oh my God, it's that guy because I love a pop. But when I was thinking about effective debuts and where I think they actually, they did really well, uh, I was reminded of that beautiful time in NXT of old when they had that run of really great important signings and they made every one of them feel really important. So I'm thinking about when they brought in Kenta, when they brought in Finn, when Kevin Owens came in, when Nakamura came in. And it wasn't really a surprise. They told everyone they were coming. They were almost brought out and presented in a business style that it's like, this is the new guy. He's starting next week. Clear his cubicle. You know, but it it made it feel... It made NXT feel different. It made NXT, to me, feel more important that it was like, everyone's on notice, this guy's coming. But it was like corporate brought them in, which shouldn't feel exciting and fun, but it made it feel more legit as to what NXT was to me. Like, I still remember Finn coming out and then they had the name change and he was like, now he's Finn Balor. Mm -hmm. And they did the same with Kenta. They were like, oh, now he's this guy. Uh, They did the same with Nakamura. Like, they said to Sami Zayn, Nakamura is going to be your your competitor at TakeOver. Uh, and then when he came out, like when he came out in Dallas to the, the violin, to the music, it was such a mind blower. It was so incredible. And then with Kevin Owens, you know, he had that match at the TakeOver and we were all pumped to see him because everyone at that point was like, NXT is the indie show. It's the indie show. And we love Kevin Steed. He's the indie guy that we all love. And we know he's best friends with Sami Zayn. So this is going to be beautiful. And then what did he do? He literally came out and turned on Sami Zayn. I mean, it's a beautiful period in NXT history. I can watch all of that era over and over and over and over again. But I loved the way they did the debuts back then. I thought it was just so specific to NXT it was so specific to that time it leaned into its past as a developmental territory that they were like hey this is our new signing get excited before they brought them out they weren't just doing it for a pop because they had they knew a lot of their audience wouldn't know who these people were so they had to explain to you why you should be excited but they still got you hyped to see what they could do because they sold them to you before you even saw them and Mm -hmm. I think if you can't pull off a pop entrance I love the idea of like genuinely selling instead of just being like, Vera's coming, which I know we keep making fun of that man and it's not fair. But like all of those vignettes told me nothing. They were like, this guy, this guy, this guy. And I love a good vignette, but they weren't them. So yeah, I love those NXT debuts, that little run of just great people coming in doing great stuff. With Papa Hunter. KO also had a great debut in the main roster for this program. Yes, Cena. right, exactly. Came in with and his belt. Now, I would introduce myself, but uh, you know exactly who I am, don't you? And if anybody out there doesn't know who I am, well, quite frankly, those people are simply not worth my time in the first place. 
that relates to well this one okay let me start with one guy who i thought had two great debuts the undertaker's original debut is obviously really special they made him special from the very beginning mm-hmm. and at that time it was it was terrifying for a young child to see this like specter of death come out to the ring but i also think as regardless of how you feel about the underbiker one way or another i thought his redebut at judgment day 2000 was actually really really well done from the part of the of the iron man match that led up to it with the entire mcmahon helmsley era attacking the rock and then they start playing the now i lay me down to sleep which turns into whatever song they used for him at that time and it was a brand new version of the undertaker unrelated to anything that we'd seen before and i thought it was a really effective debut no matter what the run was like the other was and I think this is a good transition into either a debut that wasn't the best debut, but then recovered. Here, Here's one that was a really good debut that then led to a crash that then led to the rise of arguably the greatest WWE superstar of all time, which is John Cena's debut and the, and the birth of the Ruthless Aggression era where he comes out for the Kurt Angle challenge. Yeah. Says ruthless aggression is the reason it slaps him in the face and then takes him to the limit of of whatever it was, like a two-minute challenge or almost beats him. And it made him important right away. You got a sense that he wasn't afraid to be on the mic. He didn't really have a character. He'd been the prototype up to that point. So he had the little prototype mini shorts and and the wrist tape and, and that stuff. But they made it important, even backstage, like everybody talking to him. You got the sense he was going to be important. He has a match against Jericho and beats him. Jericho puts him over at SummerSlam, and then he disappears. Him getting injured by Brock Lesnar was maybe the best thing that ever happened to his career. Totally. That and the Halloween segment where he was Vanilla Ice. Because that <laughs> combined, he then they knew something he was good at, and he got injured, which gave him a built-in storyline for his return. And that combined to make the version of John Cena that got over which is yeah. a fascinating path to me. Yeah, I didn't know that much about that storyline because that's when I wasn't watching. And I will say credit mm-hmm. to the Ruthless Aggression documentary on the network mm-hmm. uh, narrated by Malcolm, <laughs> Michael Rappaport, which just really adds to it, really makes it more special. <laughs> Most of my dream to see him just shouting at Nazis in the street in New York. It really is. <laughs> but I learned so much from that and it was fascinating to me. I didn't know that he had come in and like bombed because mm-hmm. I came in, my my time with wrestling i came back in like the mid 2000s when he was king of the world so it was really interesting to me to go back and watch that and i do recommend it to everyone ever i want to talk about bad ones now even though i have like loads more good ones that i'm like oh like AEW when they brought in daniel bryan and adam cole that was clever you want to talk about the Shockmaster? i mean we have to we're obligated the only thing i want to talk about is our most recent favorite terrible debut which is carrion cross remember that guy remember that guy and i only bring it up because it's so recent and like you don't remember that guy already remember when he was a monster in nxt and then they brought him up and he lost to jeff hardy and then it was like you know when they said best of luck in your future endeavors to that man they never they shouldn't have they shouldn't have. <laughs> you knew they didn't mean it. <laughs> they cursed us all. When they said that to Braun EC3 and Gary and Gross, and they were like, best of luck. And actually, no, we take it back. No luck in your future endeavors. Um, but wow, talk about fucking up. Talk about taking something that worked and just yeah. fucking it up. That's that one. That's that guy. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Although now I'm kind of like, maybe he was just an asshole and they knew it. So mm. who knows? 
Who can say? I went back and found this later because I was like, hey, this didn't happen because this wasn't when I was watching. But yeah, the glacier stuff is so funny to go back and watch. But he's managed to combine the hard and soft styles along with the Korean styles, which involves all the different forms of kicks. This man is a unique athlete and is going to bring a unique style inside the ring of WCW. And this is coming from me, someone who started watching wrestling because it reminded me so much of Mortal Kombat. And then I saw that and I was like, too much, pull back. Um, (laughs) When it was exactly the thing that I wanted happening around the time when I wanted it. And even looking at it was like, oh, this is uh, not for me or anyone, apparently. Isn't it proof that fans shouldn't be booking stuff? Because you go like, oh, it should be like Mortal Kombat. And then they go, okay, here's like Mortal Kombat. You go, no, I don't like that. (laughs) The idea I had was better than when I saw it happen. The fever dream I had when I was on my 18th Dr. Pepper of the evening. (laughs) I had just finished playing Mortal Kombat for the whole weekend. uh, And then it was Monday. And I was like, they should do a Mortal Kombat character. This isn't what I meant. Yeah, I was wrong. I was very wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. Poor Fred Ottman. Fred Ottman found success (laughs) in the WWF. First as as Tugboat, Hulk Hogan's buddy. Mm -hmm. And then as one half of the the Natural Disasters when he became Typhoon. I was obsessed with the natural disasters as a kid. Yes. I just want to say I was so of course, obsessed. Yeah. Him and John Tenta, who who I was Earthquake. I loved them yeah, until they fair. squished the snake, and then I was very upset about it. No step on snake. Part of the thing about wrestling is any opportunity you're given is an opportunity that you're going to take. Because, you know, you got to get out there, right? You got to, mm-hmm. you know, we're gotta giving work you with a new character. Well, we're, here's what we're going to do, Fred. We're going to put a, a big bulky vest on you, and then we're going to take a Stormtrooper helmet and, and spray paint it with glitter, and you're going to be the Shockmaster. Our partner is going to shock the world because he is none other than the Shockmaster! Everything you just said should work for me. I do just want well, to say that. Like, I'm right. like, I'm sorry, what? A glittery yeah. Stormtrooper helmet? Please tell me more. Okay. I love a bedazzle. Bedazzle if you, everything. If you love that, then wait <laughs> until you see your debut when during an interview, like the Kool-Aid man, you crash through the wall. All right, let's run through it. All right, the run through went great. Now, this time, we noticed that there was a wobble in in the wall because these are flats that are put up. It's not an actual wall to a room. Mm-hmm. So let's put a reinforcing board on the bottom. Did, hey, did anybody tell Fred about that? Oh, I'm sure he'll see it. Because if there's one thing you can do with a glittery Stormtrooper helmet on your head, it's C. So oh, God. In, in comes Fred through the wall, trips on the board, falls flat on his face, has to get up and give a promo. And you have a character that was dead on arrival. So you're the man that rules the world. They call me... The Shockmaster, you've ruled the world long enough, Sid Vicious. Get ready. Come on, you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? No fault of the great Fred Ottman at all. He's. I hope he is enjoying his his retirement. He was trained, by the way, by by Boris Malenko, by the Professor Boris Malenko, D. Malenko's mm-hmm. daddy. So it's a fun fun fact. But he that was. That is probably the best example of a disastrous debut. And it, it was, even if he had broken through the wall properly, I don't know that it would have gotten over. Maybe that would have gotten over with me. Is, 
I think that board was a gift. It's already over with me, and I've not seen it. Listen, if I said, let's put somebody in, like, a slim good body suit and put fur on the shoulders where it gives the outline of a muscular appearance, this body suit, you'd be like, that's interesting. Let me see that. And then you go, okay, here's Giant Gonzalez. You like that? See, as a child, again, that was, uh, I couldn't look away from the Giant Gonzalez. That was the thing. It was Ah. like, I don't like it, but I can't stop looking at it. Like, also, it kind of looked like my dad when he was undressed. Like, he was a hairy man. He was a hairy-shouldered <laughs> man. Uh, but, yeah, I, I will say when you were describing <laughs> Shockmaster's entrance, it made me think of Dynamo and the Running Man. And then I had to look up Dynamo and the Running Man. And he was an amateur wrestler. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, nice. Yeah. I love that. There were a lot that. of Philip Peter Van Lidith de Jude. <laughs> like, what yeah. a name. What a guy. Now I'm going to watch the Running Man again. By the way, this brings to mind like another good debut, sort of ping-ponging back and forth. Another great mm-hmm. debut from from the era of vignettes is Mr. Perfect. Because you yes. got the character right away. You <laughs> knew he was a heel. You saw him excelling at all the different sports. They were silly and funny. And he had a charm about him and a charisma in the ring that came through in those vignettes as well. So they were just really effective in selling him yeah. and the character that he was going to be. And my second childhood crush after Bret Hart. Uh, I had a type. Mm-hmm. I really had a type. <laughs> <laughs> like, so the same guy, but one is blonde and one is brunette. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> the Shockmaster. Wrestling's greatest blooper. What about, here's, I, do we count the gobbledygooker as a debut? I mean, it was a, it was a, I mean, was a it Hector Guerrero in there. So he's done a lot of work think, yeah. as the gobbledygooker. I mean, you can't really, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's got to be a first round pick. Lord. Look, and he was obviously like the inspiration for Lady Gaga. Like he's done a lot of good in this yeah, world. He's added a lot to uh, modern culture. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be really unfair to discount him just because he's a gobbledygooker. It was mm. so bad of all of the things that could have been in that egg. <laughs> of all the things. <laughs> that it's the gobbledygooker. That has time and time again. It's like the the GM, the raw GM, the, the, the computer. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. what's it going to be? And it's like, I, who even fucking cares? We're going to play this up. We're going to add it up, play this for months, and then no one's going to remember because it was it was terribly dumb. Poor Michael Was that Cole. GTE or was it ETV, the one where it was like, ooh, like we've got security cams GTV. everywhere. And- that was yeah. supposed to be Goldust. It was supposed yeah. to be Goldust doing like a sliver on people, but they never, I think mean, he left before Mm-hmm. They had the chance to pay it off. So, you, yeah, you got all the hidden camera footage that was being used to further the Love that lines. they just pulled Sliver in. Like, of course, mm-hmm. that's what wrestling fans are, are, are hot on the topic. <laughs> uh, any, I know AEW is relatively young, but any debuts there? I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't count people who launched with the company. No, mm-hmm. I think the ones for me that I think were really impactful, um, I loved the way that Ruby Soho. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nay Riot launched herself. I mean, that, I feel like that was her own launch. Mm-hmm. The the video packages that she did to to the Runaway character, I thought she did that beautifully, and then has been criminally underutilized. But hey, that's another chat for another time. But I thought that was great, and then to bring her in and in, in the uh, Casino Battle Royal, mm-hmm. the Casino um, thing where she was the Joker, it was like the worst kept secret. Right, it was one of those things where we all knew, but it was like, yay, we're also pleased to see her. That it was it, it was cheerful. And then I think the one thing that they did really, really well was the Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole reveal because everyone was pumped Mm. for Daniel Bryan coming out. And then it was like, well, guess what, motherfuckers? And I thought that was done very, very well because they did get me. They got me. Mm -hmm. 
given how many debuts they have, yep. <laughs> that it's like yep. one a week. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Oh, it's Tony. Oh, it's Malachi Black. Oh, it's Rusev. Oh, it's Andrade. That was the one where I, even CM Punk, it's like, sure, it was, it got you in the feels, but it, it was nothing specific about it other than it got you in the feels, which is enough. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I thought the Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole one was clever. And I thought it showed Daniel Bryan and his, or Brian Danielson, Daniel Brian Danielson, in I his best light time. because he, like, you know, kind of sacrificed his own debut to give the Adam Cole debut also. Like, I thought that was very generous of him. Mm-hmm. A man, a noted bully. A noted bully, Daniel Noted Bryan. bully, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, he mostly just bullies his wife, so. Yeah, and Ryback, uh, yeah. which is fine, actually. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, I've not really connected with Matt Hardy's AEW run in any way, shape, or form, but I do think his debut, which happened during a very weird pandemic time, where he came in as the as uh, broken Matt Hardy and had the mm-hmm. weird promo segment with Jericho where Jericho's talking to Vanguard 1 or Vanguard 2 or whatever Vanguard yeah. number that was. Vanguard 2. I was at least dumb. interesting. It felt like, oh, they're going to – I'm interested to see them give this a chance. And then they – it felt like they ditched it almost immediately. Like yeah. almost I immediately. We, we got the great the, – the stadium stampede match with the um the tiny Lake of Resurrection. <laughs> it yeah. was like the little dip for which I loved. Um, and we got all the different mats coming in and out. That was so fun. Broken Matt Hardy, you know I love him, but I think he is probably best served in small portions, um, which maybe is why I'm not enjoying Moon Knight. Because it's just like, because that's what it is, you guys. He is a vessel. It is wrestling. The show is is wrestling. wrestling. (laughs) Let's hear from the Nation a conversation on some of their favorite debuts. Paul says the obvious one he still thinks about is Kane. Of course, everything about the debut was spot on. There wasn't any case of we're still figuring out this character who was fully realized on debut. And that's real hard to do, especially with a supernatural gimmick and being attached to an established figure like The Undertaker. Yes, bad blood. Agreed. 1997, mm-hmm. first ever Hell in a Cell match. Who pops out? Kane. Mm. Pretty amazing. That is was a great debut. It's so weird to not like, oh, how did I not think of Kane? But I'm glad I'm glad you got it. With Paul. Vince's call, that's gotta be Kane. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about over? Harry says. Page's main roster debut the night after Mania 30 was such a huge <gasps> surprise and so exciting that I actually shouted out loud when her music hit and that Paige's impact on women's wrestling in WWE should not be overlooked. That's right. She debuts, wins the yep. Divas title yep. from AJ Lee. It was one of my favorite women's debuts. It really was great. great moment. They don't yeah. have great they don't have a great historical record of women's debuts. The biggest one I think that you can point to is uh, Ramley. And I don't want to talk about Ramley. Um so this one um, is my favorite one because I love me some Paige. And I was in the arena that night and it was nuts because you have such a British crowd at that Raw After Mania because mm-hmm. a lot of Brits come over from Mania. And it you can always tell us because we're always wearing football shirts. Even this year I was <laughs> like, oh, there's a United shirt. There's a United shirt. There's a Liverpool shirt. Boo. Uh, but I, I was very excited to see that we were well represented this year in Dallas. And that night there were so many Brits there. That roof came <laughs> off. It was nuts. And so, so beautiful that she got that reception on that night. John from Facebook says, I'd never heard of Eddie Kingston before he stormed on stage hotter than a $2 pistol, ready to knock Arn Anderson's jaw right off his face. I was like, whoever this guy is, they better sign him right now and get him teaching promo classes backstage. Nothing that man can't say that I won't believe. You knew who he was like the second he stormed out on stage, Mm -hmm. which is just as much credit to him and who he is as like he, I think I would give him 
most of the credit for that debut. I would give him all of the. I would give him all of the credit because yeah. mm-hmm. he's the well, most somebody, realized character. Somebody who's like go out there and talk. You know, nobody stopped him. He's the perfect so, example of a wrestler who one hundred percent developed himself and yes. is himself. Uh, mm-hmm. And it does not matter where you, where he goes and what he does, he will work that way. Like we talk about Agreed. these wrestlers that leave bigger companies where they've had creatives holding them up, and then they sometimes don't do so well when they go to companies where there is not the same rigid level of creative supporting you he does not need that he mm-hmm. is eddie kingston 24 7 everywhere he goes he i love him because he just feels so true to me yes there have been so many debuts over the years and we're sure you have your favorites so tell us about them on our facebook page or at tights fights on twitter and instagram when we come back we've got three things from wrestling that you should know about that's up next on tights and fights Look, it's a rough world out there, especially lately. I get it. So let's take care of our minds as best we can. I'm John Moe, host of Depression Mode with John Moe. Every week, I talk with comedians, actors, writers, musicians, doctors, therapists, and everyday folks about the obstacles that our world and our brains throw in front of us. Depression, anxiety, traumatic stress, all those mental health challenges that are way more common and more treatable than you might think. The first time I went to therapy, I was so ashamed, and I was like, can't believe I gotta go into therapy. Like, I thought I could be a man, and Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. Give your mind a break, give yourself a break, and join me for Depression Mode with John Moe. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're going to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. Danielle, what would you like to put over? Montez Ford is uh, just a delight, and always. But he hit... um, on Raw, he hit this fucking tope that like takes out the Usos and then has, you know, those two dudes um, like making faces at him like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that. Not the Usos, those other two dudes. Um, n- no feet and shits and bags. And so he gets in front of them and they're making like faces at him and he just starts doing this incredibly aggressive shimmy at them. It's the most violent form of da- like at this point i'm like look either you have to start battle dancing him or like that's it like it doesn't i don't even care if you were to pick him up and do like an rko on him like at this point if you can't out shimmy him then you can't do and he's doing it so fast i'd like someone to cut it to tina turner's private dancer and then i will watch it all day long i, I think it's too he's just so fast we'd have to like slow it down ah then it's just sexy and it's just sexy he also bought his wife a boat for her birthday. So I think we should just all put Montez over this week. I think it should just be Montez. He bought his wife a boat. <laughs> He's great. Lindsay? There was a lot to love about wrestling this week, I feel. Uh, not least of all, love. Uh, there was a bunch of weddings that happened last weekend mm. and everyone was there having a great time. Uh, Montez bought Bianca a boat for her birthday. I had a long list. But then um, our good friends at Control Your Narrative... <laughs> just really outdid themselves this week and um because they just keep going and i don't really want to talk about what they're doing 
I don't want to talk about EC3 forgetting to switch into his burner account. Uh, but I do want to talk about the magical things that the internet has done with this gift that we've been given. So I would like to perform um, a dramatic reading for you for the rules. I don't have the source of this. It got retweeted so many times, but if anyone wants to let us know, we'll credit them. Um, but for the upcoming show from Clutch Your Nuts, and these are the rules and regulations for Clutch Your Nuts. So one, you, parentheses, we are in control. Two, you, parentheses, we are in control, all in caps. Three, fights start when one opponent tells the other, let's get it on, daddy. Fights end when you clutch <laughs> your opponent's nuts. Four, only one bold wrestler per show. Five, no estrogen allowed. Six, no chain, no big man shoulder tackle spots. Seven, the fight isn't with your opponent, it's with your nuts. Eight, absolutely <laughs> no bathing prior to the show, natural musk only. Nine, no power bombs, parentheses, too homoerotic. Ten, everyone comes out to headstrong by trapped, no exceptions. And eleven, if your nuts touch your opponent's nuts, everyone takes off their clothes and kisses. And I really do feel like that. I mean, if it weren't for the estrogen proviso, I'd go to that show. I'd go to that show. <laughs> uh but I thought that was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful moment for wrestling. I do. I, I. It's obviously just a terrible thing that's full of terrible people. But I do love the way that Control Your Narrative has brought the internet wrestling fandom together. They found a way. They found a common enemy to unite the tribes. Uh, and I guess thanks for that. But yeah, congrats to Clutch Your Nuts. Can't wait for your debut show. It's going to be great. Going to hear that um, chat song a whole bunch. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get on the, the CYN train briefly to say uh, <laughs> Buff Bagwell and Adam Share having their 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 little uh, Twitter feud was hilarious. But I want to put over there were a couple of, of wrestling weddings this week. I want to focus on the VIP experience that Alexa Bliss had with that that musician singer person that she married. <laughs> don't remember his name. Don't remind me. It's fine. <laughs> Best of luck. Buried. Best of luck to them. Um, but. These wrestlers. I mean, we're talking about what John Moxley was wearing to. Uh, I can't remember what the other wedding was. Don't tell me. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I also have that one on deck. But he dressed like you know. He's got the fanny pack. He's dressed like a wrestler is going to Chili's before, before and or after I the show. I figure he was late getting there. You know, yeah. like he put then, on a shirt later. We all saw it. Yeah. Then Mojo shows up to the Alexa Bliss singer dude wedding. And he's wearing, he looks like a dancer at Six Flags. That's what he's shown up. Like, he didn't he didn't wear anything like that even when he was in the ring. He never had gear that, um, I want to say flamboyant, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, ugly? <laughs> that's a word that could accurately be used to describe it. It looks like, you know, he's wearing an outfit where it looks like the clothes are on fire, which is great because that's what he should do to the clothes as soon I mean as it's not too far event. from what Kim Kardashian was wearing so maybe maybe they know something we don't know it's a resurgence in Harlem Heat inspired yeah, clothing that's the um, that's the thing for summer 2022 the world Heat is on fire skin. and so are you yeah <laughs> anyway it's worth looking at just to go wow that is a that is a conscious choice somebody made walking out the door they said nope this is good I like it that does it for this episode of Tights of Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk and Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. 
Our producer is the pun and only Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Find links to all of our social media channels in the show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the MaxFun members who make this show possible. MaxFun Drive is coming up. It'll be here before you know it. But we'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.